me never find a love, 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 love like this That still made me think about my middle school kids I sit here in this chair and I wish for you not to leave me now My friends, they always told me not to make you my wife Man, they was putting you down And now they see we rolling, me and you we scrolling They don't wanna come around Talk with Ben Tompkins. What's good? I bet you didn't know I had that in my bag. How about that? How about that? What's good, everybody? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Nobody Currently, but if you want a really good hookup on a haircut and you're looking for a new guy, go see my man Tyler Pope. He owns the barbershop Fades On 4th. He'll hook you up if you drop my name. Say, hey, Benny T sent me. I'm friends with Benny T. He's going to give you the supreme service. It's valued at 60 bucks for 35 bucks, almost half off. I mean, because he's family. That's what family does. We take care of each other. So go see my man Tyler Pope. Tell him Benny T sent you. Fades on fourth. They're going to get you right. Okay, I want to set up a couple things and plug a couple things, and then we'll get into the meat of this episode, Vegas Vacation and some stories from Vegas. I mean, I spent six days out there. And you're thinking, what the hell? How could anybody spend six days? <laughs> yeah, baby, I'm built for this, you know? Like, that's that's just what it is. So we'll get to all that, and I'm really excited to, to recap what a special week it was for me and Maddie. But uh, a couple things here. I really would like to start doing a segment where my listeners, you guys and girls, send me something, and, and I just give you life advice. Okay, I got this idea from Ryan Rosillo. He does it on his podcast. He started it kind of as a joke, and guys are sending him stuff about weightlifting stuff. And I just thought, you know, this is really something that I should be doing because not everybody that listens to this show is going to be able to take a ride with me. Whether it be you live out of state and I'm not in your area, or whether it be you don't take Uber or Lyft and you don't have to and you have an own, your own car, or we just never connect that way, I want to make myself available to you as well. And so what I would like to start doing, and I'm going to plug this over the next few weeks and then hopefully I'll have gotten enough responses to this to start making this a segment moving forward. And I don't think I'll call it life advice because I don't want to feel like I ripped it straight from Ryan, even though I, even though I kind of did. But even though that's kind of my entire show is I'm driving around and giving people a lot of life advice and giving people real talk. Now, sometimes it's just stories that they're telling me and I get some really savage or juicy stuff, entertaining stuff. Like, that's great. But I live for the life advice stuff. I love when somebody comes to me and says, help me figure out what to do, or can you help give me some perspective on this? I'm like, yeah, what do you got? So, if you have issues in your life that you need some help with, okay, lean on me, send me that, BennyTomp18 on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, 
email me, bennytomp18 at gmail.com. Send me a message on Facebook. However you feel comfortable connecting with me, please do it. And please know that I will keep it anonymous just like all of the other stories that I tell on this show unless you explicitly say, hey, it's cool if you share my name and where I work. But if that's not in there, then I'm not going to share anything that could possibly out you or identify you. So just know that. But if you have stuff, it could be, dude, it could be life advice. It could be career advice. It could be relationship stuff. It could be fitting in at work. It could be fitting in in college or high school or as an adult. How do I make friends? How do I move to a new city? What should I do about this? I love that. You guys really don't understand how much I love that and live for that. And that's like, dude, when someone tells me and they sit down in the car and they start going, I'm really just at a crossroads right now. I don't really know what to do. And yeah, that's my life story. I love life stories. Like, that's what this show is, you know? Give me your life story because I'm giving you my life story, you know, kind of one week at a time. Uh, And certainly I gave my life story on episodes like the Christmas special and the New Year special and I'm giving you some of my life as well and I'm going to get to that and, and kind of the softer side and some thoughts on softer side from guys here in this Vegas vacation episode but like that's what this is is life stories and it's a simple thesis nobody has it figured out you know but uh if we can be here for each other then 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 maybe we might figure it out together or at least get closer to that and I want to create that segment, and I want to have that moving forward. So email me, DM me, connect with me however you feel comfortable, and I'll keep it anonymous, and we'll do life advice. And I would love to do that. I I would absolutely love to do that. And I think that that's a part of this show that I want to grow out and expand and have you, my listener, whether you're a guy or a girl or however you identify, I want you to send me some stuff and and I want to create that sense of community, right? I mean, I talk about this being a group of people and uh, whether you've liked the page and kind of joined the group on Facebook and are a part of that, I mean, I want to create a sense of community for people who listen to this show that feel like you kind of know some of the other people that are listening because you either identify with some of the same stuff that they're sending to me and asking me about or struggling with or you feel like you and me, you identify with with me or you identify with one of the writers that I'm telling a story about. Like That is powerful. That's really powerful. And I want to create that. And so I think if I can get this segment going, which will depend on you, my listeners, sending me stuff, And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like I said, it'll probably be slow at the beginning and then it'll pick up as we continue to gain steam and listeners and um, a couple of the segments go well. And I would just, I really want to do that. So send me whatever you got. I'll keep it anonymous and we'll keep it real. Here's the other thing that I want to plug real quick is uh, the music. The music on this show and the music that I play when I'm with my writers is a big part of this. It all kind of comes together. It all ties together. And if you are a Spotify user or if you are an Apple Music user and you search Benny Tomp 18 just like I'm at everywhere else on social media, you will see that I have playlists up 
that I listen to with my writers and that I play. There's a, a show a show playlist, Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. That's all the music that I listen to on this show. I have a punk rock playlist. I got a, my Sunday service playlist. I have some smooth R&B. I got Another Day in the Trenches. That's my rap playlist. I've got Uber Bangers. That's majority of what I play when I'm with writers and I'm starting to flirt with these other playlists. And now that I'm doing that, um, it's going to be something that I plug, you know, when I'm driving on a Sunday and I'm like, yeah, I got the Sunday service playlist going and Sam Cook's on and this lady's telling me she's going to an AA meeting. And it's like, it just all comes together. That's church for me, you know? Um, a country playlist. I bet you guys didn't know that I was into country at all, but I am, okay? I am. You know I'm from Kentucky, right? This is what we do. And they are all up either on Apple Music or on Spotify. And so if you go and you listen to them, I had I had uh, actually somebody that I went to high school with that I've known since grade school that I probably haven't talked to in over, I, I don't know, dude, 10 years? Probably 10 years? Probably since since high school? And and I and it, and it wasn't even like we were really close friends or hung out with the same people in high school either. I mean, I I might it might have been 15 years since I've last spoken with this person. But he reached out and he sent me a note on Facebook and was like, "Hey, I really like the concept of this show. I'm really vibing with this, and uh, I'm really enjoying the playlists as well. So thank you." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, my man!" Like. Was good. Thank you for listening. You know, thank you. Thank you. And it's good. It's good to connect with people like that that I haven't spoken to maybe in a long time and that probably knew me as a really big asshole. And so now it's like, okay, you know, listen, I was going through some shit. That's why I was projecting that asshole thing and worshiping Tucker Max. But now I'm kind of on a different vibe. You know, I'm kind of trying to, (laughs) trying to figure things out a little bit differently and in a better way for me and hopefully in a better way for a bunch of other people. So, Go and download those playlists. I think you'll enjoy them. Okay, this is a special episode. This is Vegas Vacation. Hey, hey, how about that? How about that? Vegas Vacation. And uh, we come in with Natasha Bedingfield today because that song, honestly, is one of my favorite songs of all time. I have, you know, it's funny. Um, let me Let me just start by saying this. This is going to be an episode that you guys are able to kind of understand me a little bit better and see my softer side see the side that I give to Maddie you know um I I'm 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 pretty soft with people I think my writers and I'm vulnerable sure sometimes I'm I don't always probably come off as soft I don't know I I don't spend too much time worrying about it or thinking about it uh because I'm real you know and so (laughs) however that lands for you fine uh but but I can I can live with that, you know. So if I'm soft, if I'm hard, I mean, if I'm too hard, what you know, whatever. Um, but uh, this is going to be an episode that I kind of peel back that part because I don't, you know, like look, I don't really share the 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 pieces of me and the side of me and the version of me that I share with Maddie to everybody else, you know, because that's kind of a special thing. It's a special thing that I reserve for her and. Uh, that's that's kind of it so like my guy friends or my writers like I don't really you know I I don't really get too romantic with writers you know I'm not trying to be a fucking weirdo so uh yeah not a lot of people see this the side of me and and it's like it's one of those things where um you know I'm sure if you ask 10 different people about me I'd say probably five or six would be like oh 
dude, Ben is the best, or he just, he's a really genuine person. Like, I fucking love that guy. I would do anything for that guy. Probably like five or six, okay? And then there'd be like three that would be like, that guy's the biggest fucking asshole that I've ever met in my life. And maybe they caught me on a bad day. Maybe they're fucking deserved whatever they got. But there would probably be like, you know, three people that would say that, okay? And then there'd be like one or two people that would be like, Ben is the sweetest person that I know. He has always just been so nice to me and always just really made me feel good being around him. And I hope that my girlfriend would say the same thing and be in one of those categories where it's like, you know, this is really one of the most sweetest boys that I've ever met in my life. And I save that for her. I don't, you know, look, I don't give that out to everybody. And honestly, that's all I've ever wanted. Maddie's all I ever wanted. Um, when I was a kid, I always used to fantasize about what it would be like to, to be in love and, and fall in love and have somebody that you could call up and have somebody that you could just vibe with. Like, I, I, I always envisioned that for myself. And here's something you don't know about me. I'm a hopeless romantic. Like, I can be one of the biggest saps that you've ever met in your life. I mean, talk to me about romantic movies. I could go on and on and on. Talk to me about romantic songs. I mean, I, I'm, I am a hopeless romantic, honestly. And uh, I spent so many years getting my hopes up and hoping that every, every girl was the one, you know? And uh, they, they weren't. They weren't for whatever reason. It just didn't work out. But then you find the one. You do find the one. And it works. It just clicks. It just, and um, that's all I've ever wanted. I, that's all I've ever wanted is just somebody to call mine that calls me theirs, and that I can just give this 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 sweetness and this love to. Because I got a lot of it. I got a lot of it. And uh, now I have that. But this is going to be an episode that I kind of can talk about some of those things um, through that lens. And, and you guys can be like, wow, this is like a really complicated person. You know, this is like, wow, I didn't even know that he he was this deep or had this like, had this part of him. Like, I because it surprises people. I mean, I lived my life like such a savage for so many years and such an asshole for so many years. And it, it surprises people, I think. And it, it, it shakes people when they're like, damn, I didn't know he was like that, you know? Because listen, I think, and and here's the thing, is like my theory on this is uh, I think deep down, guys, can we just be honest for a minute? I think all of us, if we're with our boo and we're with our chick, then we're kind of all softies. Like we would never admit it. We would never just pull up to a pregame or to the boys' house and everybody's watching football on a Saturday or Sunday and somebody just says, you know, I, I really had a enjoyable conversation with my girl about blah, blah, blah. And the rest of the couch would be like, the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, maybe be a little bit judgmental because it's just like, you know, it's like this male thing. You're not supposed to have a soft side. You're supposed to be a machismo, like Clint Eastwood type, you know, fucking old man with the gun, Robert Redford looking ass, no feelings, no emotions, just stoic. And that's all bullshit. Like, that's all 
bullshit, okay? The Don Draper mystique thing going on, like, who wants to be with somebody like that? I don't, personally. I, I want to be able to be, to talk to, you know, about whatever, you know? I, I want to be able to talk about whatever to whoever, right? But there's this traditional societal gender role that men are supposed to be this kind of like, you know, silent, strong type, you know, stoic, you know, deep in their thoughts. I'm like, dude, I got way too many thoughts to be silent about them, you know? And it's beautiful. And, and that's a beautiful thing. So I'm, uh, and, 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 and that's like, look, guys will want to be very, you know, kind of tough, hard around our friends when we get around other guys, you know? Hey, I'm not a bitch, right? I mean, that's constantly what guys are trying to prove, you know? Here, here's, here's the two biggest things that guys feel like they have to prove to everybody. One, my dick's not small, and two, I'm not a bitch. Like, I'm just being honest. I am just being honest. That is absolutely what drives a lot of decisions by guys, especially in the younger years, especially in your younger 20s and teenage years, like... When you're trying to impress people, those are the two biggest things that will drive some of the stupidest decisions that has ever been known to fucking mankind is, I don't have a small dick, and I'm not a bitch. Those two things right there. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting off topic, but but so that's that's just what you need to know. Ladies, guys, we all have this soft side, and we really want to give it to you it just depends on the person. It's just got to be the right person. So some people, they wait their whole life until they meet that person, and then they, they're they a softie, you know? I'm a softie with my girl, you know? Cross us up, then we're going to have problems, real problems. Air Jenkins, you know what I mean? But, like, guys, we, we I think that's what we all want at the end of the day is just to be able to love on somebody. You know, now some guys, they're different, you know, they, they are the stoics and a little bit harder to reach and uh, don't like to talk about feelings, you know, and uh, yeah, that's why they make marriage counselors, because at some point you wake up, you're 36 years old and your wife is threatening to divorce you if you don't get up in that fucking couch and talk to the counselor and start opening up and it's like, dude, at 36, it's not going to happen. Like, have realistic expectations, you know? If you marry somebody that speaks as many words as a lamppost, then they're probably not going to be very bright, okay? And and they're not going to be somebody that is willing to sit down at the end of a long day and sit there and have those conversations that nobody wants to have, but you know that you'll be better off having moving forward when you get in a fight and you're tired or she's upset, or you're upset, and you'd rather just go to sleep, and you'd rather just forget about it, and move on to the next thing, but you know if you do that, you know, all those little things start to build up, and then one day, it comes flooding out, and uh, that's not good, we don't want that kind of a buildup, we want to work through things as they happen, okay, and and not hold on to things, and not hold on to resentments, I mean, listen, this is like one-on-one shit, you know, like, did I just become a relationship podcast, last week I was a murder podcast, this week I'm a relationship podcast, next week we're going to be Uber stories again, because <laughs> I got a lot of rides that I'm doing as of, uh, I'm taping this on a Tuesday, so I did 15 Monday, I 
going to go out and do probably five or six tonight, and then probably 20 Wednesday and Thursday, because I'm going for a new PR this week, and uh, my incentive that I'm going for is 60 rides by basically Thursday midnight, and uh, I'm going to hit it, I'm going to hit it, God damn it, and then Friday, you know, we'll we'll do our regular kind of 15 to 20 ride day, and it's I'm I'm going I'm still going for PRs, man. That's the thing. Like I came back from Vegas, I didn't skip a fucking beat. Like I hopped right back in the whip on Sunday. We got back on a Saturday. I hopped right back on the road on a Sunday. Hosted Sunday service, got a few rides in. Wanted to make sure that I got into the routine and just broke it up and kind of transitioned. It was a nice transition day coming from six seven days of not doing shit. And then coming back on a Sunday, kind of just easing in. And then Monday, I hit it hard. Tuesday, that's today. We're doing this. We're going to go drive later. And then I'm going to keep killing it. But <laughs> I'm kidding. This is what happens when I don't have like kind of a script to follow. And so since, um, you know, I do have like notes that I kept out running, you know, throughout the week that uh, were, you know, just some stories. I, I got some stories from Vegas Vacation. Um, <laughs> but this is what happens when I don't have like a, you know, like the stories I write out, you know, I write out all those stories and I write how I'm going to transition in and out and like set them all up and all that stuff. And that's great. And I really have a structure when I do that. And today I still have a structure, but, um, it's a little bit looser, but that, but hey, look, we're, we're doing the damn thing. So that's all good. But let me go ahead and reset right here. Because I want to tell you some stories. I have some kind of just bigger picture stuff that I'll get to at the end. And we're going to do all that. And this will be a shorter one. And I say it'll it'll be a shorter one. It'll probably still end up being like an hour. I would be shocked if it's under an hour. Because I always say that whenever I'm unscripted. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a shorter one. And then because it's unscripted, it ends up being, being pretty long. But it is what it is. Okay. Let's reset. Vegas Vacation. Maddie and I went out there on a Monday. We got up pretty early. We had a flight that left at 7.20, and uh, we got up at like 4.30, whatever. Travel on the flight. Flight wasn't too bad. We had a connecting flight um, in Denver. We flew into Denver, had like an hour layover, and then flew from Denver to Vegas, which was a pretty quick flight. And Southwest is who we flew. And they used to be doing middle seats open, but now, of course, they're money-grubbing whores at the corporate places, you know, all corporations are. And so they have done away with the middle seat deal. I think Delta still does it, but Southwest is like, hey, everybody, just sit next to whoever the fuck you want. So on the way out there, Maddie sat in the middle, and I was on the window seat, and we had a stranger sitting in the aisle seat. And then on the way from Denver to Vegas, I sat in the middle, and Maddie leaned against the window, and I kind of leaned against her, and then um, that's the way we did it. We got into Vegas around 10.25, took an Uber to the Flamingo. We couldn't check in until later in the day, but we ended up just tossing our bags down, and the first thing that we did was went to get in and out in and out is so good. It's so good, and it was so dangerous. Where I used to live in Santa Clara, there was one that was like I could walk to it. It was so close to my apartment, and it was dangerous. I mean, I, I <laughs> a lot of low points with In-N-Out there, but it's 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 still so good. 
and I hadn't had it in so long. And so I was like, can we go, please? Like, can that be our first thing that we do? She was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. We go to In-N-Out on the Strip, walked around the Strip a little bit. We were walking past Naked Cowboys and the Flamingo Girls and all that kind of stuff. And then about 1 p.m., we were able to check into our hotel, which was the Flamingo. I can't remember if I said that in this episode here, but uh, the Flamingo was one of the very first hotels that was built in Las Vegas. And so because of that, everything else is essentially built around that. It sits in a prime location on the Strip. And we got up to our room, and it was on the 24th floor, so we had a pretty good view, great view of the Strip. We were looking across from us was Caesar's Palace, which is fucking huge, by the way. And then the Bellagio to the left, and right below us to the left was the Bellagio Fountain. And we didn't even have to go down like all the other tourists to go see the Bellagio Fountains. We just would open up the window, and there it was every 15 minutes. You know what I mean? So that was pretty sick. We had a good view. We had a good room. We tossed our stuff down. And then around five, we went and met a guy that we had booked through an app called Turo. And basically, it's like Airbnb, except for cars and vehicles. And we rented a Tesla, and he drove the Tesla to us. Um, He taught us how to use it. He taught me how to use it. I was the one that drove it. Taught us all the little different bells and whistles and how to adjust stuff and what to do if this happens and all this stuff happens. Um, And I've never driven a Tesla. And so this was the very first time. Now, we only rented it for a day. And the reason that we did that was because on Tuesday, that was our hiking day. And we went to Valley of Fire State Park, which was really sick. If you go to Vegas, you got to do it. Rent a car, drive out there. It's about 62 miles outside of Vegas. And it took us about like an hour to get there and then an hour back, right? But so we we needed to rent a car and we wanted to, we just looked around and we were like, you know, let's just fuck it. Like, let's run a Tesla. Like, why not? That would be sick, you know? So we did. And it, I swear to God, dude, the first time I ever have driven a Tesla and it literally felt like we were hovering above the ground. It was so smooth. We were literally gliding to our destination. Like, not trying to be a hype beast at all. But you know when you're driving and you feel little bumps in the road where it's uneven or you know you're kind of bouncing on the highway a little bit like if you've ever, you know, dri- been driving and, and experienced that, I swear to god, none of it felt in a Tesla. I didn't I mean we literally were like hovering to our destination. It was it was really cool. There's a lot of stuff that I don't still understand about Teslas. I don't like the door handle thing. I really don't. I, I wish they would just kind of pop out automatically when you would walk up to it instead of having to push the hand. Because I think it's awkward. I think, you know, it, it's like super sleek and inside the door frame and you push one end of it and then have to like reach and pull the other one. And I, I just, it's not a very easy motion to do, especially like if you have a bunch of groceries that you're carrying or a a child in the back seat and they're trying to put in you got a car seat or you got like a a bunch of bags or whatever like it's just kind of a weird I, I don't like the door handles but that's really my only knock on the Tesla the sound system was good um the pickup was good it was a model three and I've since learned 
Oh my God. I've since learned that my mom is getting a Tesla in like two weeks. So um gonna have gonna have a Tesla on deck now. So that's a pretty sick flex. But uh, this was my very first time renting it and and driving it, and so it was kind of nice, you know. We we picked it up, uh, we booked it for a day, so we got it at 5 p.m. on Monday, and the plan was to go out to a nice restaurant on Monday night. I had made a reservation two weeks in advance to going out to Vegas at a place called Capo's, which is about 15 to 20 minutes off of the Strip. It's a really cool Italian restaurant. And uh, it's it's kind of like an ode to old Vegas, to when the mob ran Vegas. It's got a bunch of pictures of all the gangsters up there. Al Capone, Benny Siegel, uh, Charles Lucky Luciano, like all of the Dons. And we take the Tesla out. We both get kind of nice, dolled up, looking good, feeling good. Drive out there and Capos is closed. And not only is it closed, get this. So we pull up, the parking lot is empty. And there's a bunch of like, they're like trailers that you will see outside of broadcasts, like at football games or basketball games. And it's basically, they're television trucks. And we're both going like, what the hell? Like there's nobody in the parking lot. We get out, we're like, all right, well, let's just go see, I guess. I don't know. We're walking up to the front door and somebody comes out who's uh, literally holding a clipboard and has like, you know, the headset on. It's like, hey guys, uh, hate to tell you this, restaurant's closed. And we're like, no way. We like, they didn't even let us know. We had a reservation and we were, I made this two weeks ago. And um, he was like, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're filming this show. Um, our whole production crew's in there. And so, yeah, nobody from the restaurant is even here. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. What kind of show is it? And he was like, well, it's kind of one of those remake shows, you know, remodel shows. And I said, oh, okay, cool. Like Bar Rescue or something like that? And he was like, yeah, kind of. Like we're, we're kind of doing this to save the establishment, you know? And I really thought that I was going to get him to slip up here because the next question I asked, I said, oh, okay, cool. Well, um, you know, what's the show? And he said, well, you know, I can't really tell you that. And I said, who hosts it? And I thought that was going to be the one that gets him. And he he, he was like, well, it's a, uh, I can't tell you that, man. And I was like, ah, oh, I thought I thought I was going to get you right there. I thought I had you. And he was like, yeah, good try. Good try. You almost did. You almost did. But uh, yeah, I've, yeah. So can't tell you who it is or what the show is. Um, and so we, we walked away and, uh, kind of just laughing like, okay, whatever, big deal, you know? And the thing that I kept on thinking about was, you know, maybe that's the reason that they're on some kind of a bar rescue or the profit or some kind of a show where one of these people goes in and kind of redoes the menu and redoes all a bunch of different stuff and fixes relationships and their process and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? maybe they do need that show because if they have people who call for reservations and then don't even bother to tell those people, hey, little heads up, you're not going to be able to come and eat here because we're going to have a television crew and we're doing this thing. Like Maybe that's the reason that stuff like that falls between the cracks that they're on a show like that in the first place. I don't want to slam this place too hard because I do love it and I had a really good experience there the first time we went and I'm not even mad. I mean, we weren't even mad. Um, Maddie took this as her opportunity to go to the Taco Bell Cantina, which is 
basically a sit-down restaurant, and it's like a concept store that they put in Vegas and probably a couple other big cities, but um, basically it's like a Taco Bell with an expanded menu, and they serve alcohol there. And it was like a really nice little restaurant. So she got some food. I wasn't that hungry, and we went home, um, kind of did a little bit of grocery shopping in the sense that we went to the weed dispensary, and we got our alcohol for the week. And let me tell you this, this is crazy. We went to the closest liquor store that they had on the strip and a 750 milliliter bottle of vodka, a fifth, um, Ciroc, was 78 bucks. And we were like, oh my God, no way. So we took the Tesla to a Total Wine that was pretty close by, off of the strip, but still pretty close by. And the same bottle was, you know, the regular 28 to 30 bucks, 27.99, whatever Ciroc runs um, for that fifth. And I was like, oh my God, literally double, literally double on the strip. So we went off the strip. I got that bottle for the week and uh, went to the dispensary. I got some edibles. They were really good. Um, yeah, like they had a Rice Krispie Treat. Another one was like a Cinnamon Toast Crunch Bar. They were both kind of like crispy bar things. Um, a couple of Airhead Extreme type gummies, you know, like a, a strip basically, but it was watermelon. And then they also had, um, they weren't Cokes or like carbonated drinks, but they did have drinks. And one of them I got was grape and another one was watermelon. And so later in the week, I would make what I called purple drink and I would pour up a glass of, you know, put like a shot of vodka with some Sprite and then 30 milligrams of the grape, um, you know, weed drink. And I made these purple drinks all week long and they were so good. They were so fire. I'm telling you, man, they were really good. So yeah, we got our goodies for the week. And then, uh, you know, we, we just, we were walking around on the strip and, um, I was like in a sweatshirt and you know, it's funny, man. It's like, these people sometimes will just chirp at you for no reason at all. Literally for no, I mean, I, I, we didn't, I didn't make eye contact with these people. I didn't say shit to these people. I was holding Maddie's hand. We're walking down the strip and there's this group of people that are standing off and just kind of like shooting the shit, whatever. They, they got nowhere better to be. And they're just talking shit to people who walk past. And one of the girls is says something to me like, Oh, okay, I see you, daddy. Fuck your vibe. That's literally what she said, unprovoked. I did nothing to this person. And I just smiled. I heard her. I smiled. We were walking right past. I mean, she said it right next to me. And, you know, she's just people like that. That's like the they. That's like the they that I talk about, that people talk about when you say they don't want me to succeed. They want to try and throw me off my path. That is the face of it. Like literally people like that that don't know you at all that will run their fucking mouths for no reason at all just to try and throw you off your shit. But you know, the thing that I tell myself in that situation and and the reason that I was able to just walk away and let it roll right off and pretend like it doesn't even bother me and, and, and I pretend like, you know, who am I kidding, right? Obviously I heard her, but it's like, dude, I don't give a shit. You know why? Because... Let me just think about this. Where is that happening? Where is that taking place? In the streets. Literally on the streets. 
and Maddie and I are walking on our way to our reservation, and it's just like, why do I give a fuck about what any street rat says about me when they're not even in the fucking building? Like, I'm going to sit here and get worked up because some little street rat wants to talk shit because they got nothing better to go on? Well, what are you doing? Like, you're hanging out in the street, you know? That's awesome, you know? Good for you. But uh, we're going to be late if I stay here and chit-chat with you. So, peace out. We're going to be inside. You have fun out here and enjoy the rest of your life, you know? Like, that's that's... That's why, I mean, just don't dwell on those people. And it's like, I could sit here and get get upset about it or um, let it affect me or be like, oh my God, you know? Like, But look, why do I give a fuck about what some street rat's talking about when they aren't even in the fucking building? It's that simple. So that was our first day, you know? That was our first day. And look, I, 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 I tell you guys this, I say this, and to the people that like me and are friends with me, um are like, wow, you know, I I can't see that. Like my grandpa, you know, I'm like, yeah, grandpa, some people just don't like me. And he's like, oh, well, no, they, you know, and I'm like, no, grandpa, really, like they don't like me. And he can't see that because he's going to love me no matter what, you know, And, and I have people like that. And when I say that, like people either love me or hate me, they, they really, really love me. And so they can't, fathom somebody hating me now people who are a little bit more lukewarm on me they maybe don't love me like my grandparents do or like my girlfriend does right just friends or listeners they're like okay yeah yeah I like this guy but I could see how somebody might not like him you know that's that's another thing um but trying to explain that to people you love is like no people literally will just run their mouth at me because I'm a good-looking white guy and Sometimes that's enough to set somebody off, you know, like I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. So that's what it was for them. But again, fuck those street rats. Tuesday, we get up at 625 in the morning and we drive out and the hike was amazing. Uh, Valley of Fire State Park. If you're going to go to Vegas, this is something that you absolutely should do. And actually, when we returned the car to this guy, when we returned the Tesla, he was literally like, yeah, I'm just starting to do these videos. And this is literally one of the very first videos that I'm going to do is recommending that when people come to Vegas, this is like one of the top things that they do. Rent my car or a car um, and drive out to the Valley of Fire. Because he was trying to like launch a kind of a YouTube uh, channel for things to do while you're in Vegas, and he was a really nice guy, you know. And and I hope it I hope it works out for him. I really do. But he was like, yeah, literally, this is like my very first video that I'm making is what you guys just did: rent a car and drive out to Valley of Fire State Park. And I was like, yeah, it's because we bad, we bad and bougie, you know. So that was really great. Um, you know, one thing, I, I swear to God, like, when I go on hikes and I'm in nature, that's when I start to do my deepest thinking and just have these revelations that just bubble up to the surface. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I swear to God, it just, it clears my head and it gives me some really good perspective and I just get out there where it's quiet and if I've got somebody that I can talk to or even not, I mean, I'll just talk to myself and, and I do a lot of the times. I probably look crazy, but... uh you know, people don't know. If you keep your earphones in, you, you could be talking on the phone, whatever. But <laughs> uh, I had Maddie there, so we were just kind of talking and walking, and and I love when we get to do that stuff. And it reminded me of, like, the last time that I went 
on a really, really long hike was at the, it was sometime in May, and Maddie and I had gone to uh, North Carolina, and I just was remembering how much of a struggle it was on my body when I was first getting moving again, and when we went on that trip, I was at my worst. I was absolutely at my worst. Uh, I had issues going on on my feet. I was like around 260 pounds, and the terrain, and trying to stabilize, like all that kind of stuff that I was struggling with earlier last year, almost, God, that's crazy, it's almost been a year since last May, that's really, really weird, Uh, I just took a mental note of, wow, we just did four miles, and I feel great, like I feel great, my feet feel great, my body feels great, And I just felt really good remembering how much I struggled to even go on literally like a two-mile hike last May and how depressed I was. And it just ended up being one of those things where it's just like, God, I feel good. Like, I've, you know, I'm coming full circle. Like, thank God we're here now, you know? Um, So the hike was amazing. We got some really cool pictures. I put some of the pictures up on Facebook and on Instagram at BennyTomp18. You can go and check those out. Those were were, uh, some really, really cool pictures from that day. Um, Came back, took a nap. By this time, it was like, it was like, we probably got back around 2.33 and we were supposed to give the car back at 5, right? Well, we both lay down, and I forgot to set an alarm, and I wake up, and he's calling me, and it's like 5 o'clock. It's like 4.50, and he's like, hey, man, uh, I'm on the way to the location, and I was like, oh, my God, dude, I totally just, I'm so sorry. We both lay down, and we just woke up, and he's like, no, it's cool. I'll just come to the hotel, and we can do the check out there, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm so sorry about this, and he's like, no, 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 it's cool, so he came to the Flamingo. I gave him the keys, and we kind of did the checkout thing, and um, came back to the room, (laughs) laid down again, and then we got ready for dinner. We went to a nice sushi dinner. It was really good. Um, Started drinking a little bit before dinner, some of those purple drinks and some Moscow mules, and then we went to dinner, and it was a really good dinner. And then Wednesday was really a chill day. I mean, look, you spend six days in Vegas, odds are... (laughs) odds are very good, that you're going to need a day of just rest, where you just don't do shit. And that was Wednesday for us. We, I think being so tired from traveling on Monday, and then getting up early again on Tuesday morning to go hike, and then you factor in the time difference, like, I think both of us were just like, we really needed a day to sleep in. And so Wednesday, we both slept into like 1230. <laughs> Which is nice. I mean, you know, it's on vacation. Like, fuck it. So we went to brunch, and I got chicken and waffles. Just a classic combination. And uh, came back to the room. We laid around, drank some water, played games on the iPad. We ordered pizza that night and played played games phase 10. Just kept it super chill on Wednesday. Because Thursday was going to be our museum day. So... We got up, and we went to breakfast, and then we went to the Mob Museum, which was really cool, and it was much more geared towards law enforcement, and I I think they they really tried not to glorify the mob and the mafia and some of the accomplishments of some of these guys, and they are criminals, so I get that, but um, 
you know, I would have liked to see more about the structure of the families of New York, of the way that, um, because basically the mafia was how things were traded, like goods were sold and bought, and there's a network stretching from New York and the East Coast all the way through Kansas City, out to LA, like there's a connection, and there's this underground kind of Silk Road type deal, if you will, and I would have liked to see more of that. The stories, where these guys came from, um, how they rose to power, and I guess the the museum was much more geared towards like what law enforcement did to kind of curb all of that stuff, and like, oh, here's where they caught them, and you know, I, I would have just, I don't know, let me just romanticize about the gangsters, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not really like, uh, cool, that's great, you know, good for them, um, but also, and, and I know these are bad, you know, people, right? Like, I'm not, like, look, they're criminals and, and fine, but like, I mean, we love to romanticize about Bonnie and Clyde, you know what I mean? Like, how is that any different? So, I would have just liked to see a little bit more of that, but the Mob Museum was was still cool, it was still really cool. And then we went to the Neon Museum, which was a collection of a lot of old signs, really cool signs. My favorite one was this duck. I, I, I don't even know why, but I just, I was into it and I took a picture with it. And they had like an old Hard Rock Cafe one. They had a, a, just a bunch of stuff. And they're, they're huge, you know, they're really big signs. And it was like a, basically a neon sign graveyard. But uh, you could walk around, you could take pictures. The only thing with this one now is they didn't let us take our masks off to take pictures. Even though the entire thing is outside, it's not covered, it is literally on the desert floor. Like, you go out there and you don't even walk into a building to buy your ticket. I mean, it's, it's totally open. Not enclosed at all, besides a chain link fence to keep people in and out. And they said that we had to keep our masks on the whole time. Which, to me, if we're outside and there wasn't even that many people there, like, and obviously common sense would tell you if there's a couple people standing next to a sign, maybe go look at another sign until those people clear out. But so, yeah, I, I took a couple pictures with the signs, but because you had to keep the mask on, I was kind of like, eh, this is you know, kind of lame, you know, like I'm not a COVID denier at all, but if you're outside and you're socially distanced, you should be okay, you know what I mean, but then again, I'm not an epidemiologist, or, or however the hell you say it, but I, I just, you know, for what it's worth, that's my two cents, uh, we went to go to lunch after the museums, and I got a fat plate of buffalo chicken nachos, they were so good, all, like, now, you guys probably don't give a shit about this, but I did take a lot of pictures of the food that we ate, and so that's all up on the the photo dump that I put out on Facebook as well. So um, go there if you, I mean, if you, if you want to know what these things look like, oh my God, they were amazing. They were the best buffalo chicken nachos I've ever had in my life. I, no cap, none, none whatsoever. Um, Thursday, after we get lunch, then... Uh, now, I was really good. Now, here's the deal. I was really good, and I actually ended up leaving Vegas with more money than I came in with, minus the stuff that we spent on food, gas, alcohol, that kind of stuff. But in terms of just gambling, I actually left and made money 
in Vegas, which not a lot of people can say. And I waited until Thursday to even press my luck and go down there and gamble. Now, I'm not a big gambler. I'm really not. I like to make college football picks. I, a lot of the times, don't put a lot of money on that. A um, couple bucks here and there if I'm really, really feeling like it's a lock. But I mostly, any of the picks that I was making in any of the seasons that I've done that have mostly been for credibility, for trying to, you know, brag about that win-loss record. Now, whether there was money on those games or not, irrelevant. What the record shows as wins and losses and percentages, that's what matters to me, okay? So I'm really not a big, big gambler. Um, not a big poker player, not a big blackjack player. You know, I'll be honest, I'm not great at math, and so, you know, the probability stuff and, like, counting cards, and I just, I don't have a lot of those nuances that other people who are really good at at numbers might have. But that's why they make roulette. That's why they make roulette. Roulette is a game that takes some guessing and skill, but it's it's honestly just all luck. And especially like if you just sit there and play red or black, red or black, red or black, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Um, but I waited all the way until Thursday to go down and, and try it. And I said, look, I'm going to pull out $200, not nothing, but also not enough that I'm really going to miss this money, okay? 200 bucks, yeah, everybody could use an extra 200 bucks, but if I lose 200 bucks, it's not going to be the end of the day, okay? This isn't my rent money, this isn't my my uh, gas money or food money, like, I got a little bit of extra change to, to, to spare here. So, I pull out 200 bucks, and I just said, look, if I lose it, then it's gone, and great, I got a good story, and I can share and, and, and commiserate with all the other bums and, and people that lost their money in Vegas, and and feel connected to that, but I'm going to pull out 200 and whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens, happens. So I came down to the gambling floor, the casino floor of the Flamingo on Thursday night, and I went to go play roulette, and I changed in 100 bucks in chips, and just from the get-go, I listen, I did not like the vibe there. The woman who was our dealer was a bitch, straight up, like, she was literally, she was shooing away our hands and slapping our hands, it's like me and like three other college looking kids that are sitting at this table, and we're all kind of like gambling, talking a little bit, you know, and uh, when when it would come time for no more bets to be placed, and the ball's rolling, she was literally slapping our hands away. Like most dealers will kind of run their hand over the table, but this old Asian woman was literally slapping our hands away and saying, no more, no more, literally slapping us. I was like, are you kidding me? You're going to slap me? And I, you know, I'm fucking with her a little bit. I'm like, are you flirting with me? What is this? Are you going to slap me a little bit? I like it harder, you know, just fucking with her. And she didn't like that. And she also didn't like the word fuck. So she said, you can't say fuck here. And I was like, are you kidding me? I can't say fuck here. She's like, no. And the guy that was standing behind her who worked there was like, yeah, man, house rules. Um, you know, some some places are different, but here in the Flamingo, yeah, you can't say that at the tables or anywhere on the gambling floor. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, this is okay. Well, 
I guess I'm not going to stay very long, you know? And uh, the guys who were sitting next to me were like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, you know, like kind of getting away with it, right? And um, I was just like, I can't believe that she said that. Like, what is, this is Vegas. And I said, is this America? Are we in America right now? Because I'm pretty sure, unless I'm inciting hate speech, I have the freedom of speech. And if I want to say fuck, then I can say fuck. She's like, yeah, but not at the Flamingo. You can't. Like, okay, well, I guess this is just communist Russia or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, I'm losing money because I, you know, to be honest, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I was kind of nervous. I was kind of nervous going down by myself to play the very first time I'd ever played roulette or any of those table games, blackjack, poker. Um, the last two times that I've been in Vegas, I didn't even gamble, not one time. And I don't know why. I guess maybe I had this irrational fear that if I started, that I might not stop. And a lot of people suffer from gambling addictions. Like, that's a very real thing. And I guess I was just a little bit worried or cautious. And that's why I waited till later in the week to actually go down there and try it. Because I was like, what if I like it too much? Or what if I lose a bunch of money? And then I'm trying to chase the VIG and I'm sitting there going, okay, 100 more in chips. Oh, now I'm 300 down. Now I got to get it back. Okay, this is going to be the one. Now, okay, can I get 500? I'm going to put it all on black. I'm going to win it all back. And no, fuck red or green. It's like, that's the start of something that can be very damaging, okay, to a lot of different things and relationships and your life and your financial accounts. Like, that sucks. So I guess... I was just a little bit kind of cautious, you know, and I just like, I was like, I'm not going to press my luck, you know, I'm here with my woman, we're having a great time, we're going to great dinners and lunches, I'm not going to press my luck, so I waited till Thursday, I go down there, the Flamingo was doing $10 minimums, and I was losing money, and, and beyond that, I didn't like this lady, I mean, she was literally, she was being honestly really mean. She was slapping our hands. She would tell us to shut up. Like, she, I, I'm not kidding at all. And I I pretty much just tossed down, like, my last whatever chips from that hundred. And I got up, and I lost it. And I said, all right, I'm out of here, guys. Good luck. I don't like her vibe. And then I looked right at her, and I said, I don't like your vibe. And walked away. And I didn't. I hated her vibe. She sucked. She honestly sucked. And, to, and, and, and like... Here's the other thing that that kind of made me a little bit more nervous sitting there at the table. When I went to go change in a hundred, she gave me a hundred one dollar chips, and it's a ten dollar minimum. And I'm playing the outside. You know, the inside bets on the numbers. You can lay down one dollar chips, and some people like to play that. I found a really good system that I like on the outside. And those are $10 minimums at most places or 15 or I even saw one as high. We went to the Caesars and they had $25 minimums on their roulette tables. The Bellagio was 15 at one time and 10 on a Saturday morning. But at the Flamingo, they were $10 minimums. And I'm looking at all these chips and I'm like, why did you just give me 100 of these? Like, I don't want to have to sit here and count 10 every time I want to go red or black or high or low or... And I'm like, can you... 
can you give me like fives or tens? And so she had fives. So then it was like I was holding up these other guys when I first sat down because she counted out a hundred chips. And then I was like, wait a second. No, I don't I don't want a hundred ones. Give me do you have fives? Do you have tens? She's like, Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, give me those. And uh yeah, so then she had to take time counting those out too. And I was just like, Oh, this sucks. Like I look like a total noob, I guess, which is like I think some of that also the fear of being outed as the guy that has no clue what he's doing and is sitting down for the very first time. I mean, that's that can be kind of intimidating, you know? Like, I mean, it really can. And you've got the dealer looking at you. You've got the pit boss looking at you. You've got people who are standing behind the table waiting on their friends, watching them play, also watching you play looking at you. And you're just like, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure. Big day, boys. So <laughs> I lost 100 bucks really quick. And I was honestly glad to, because I was honestly just like, get me away from this table. Get me away from this lady. I don't like your vibe. I don't like your vibe. So I got up, and look, I lost 100 bucks. I still had 100 left. I said, I'm going to read a little bit about this. And now that I got that first game out of the way, I feel a little bit better about this. And so I'm going to go check out some of the other casinos and see what their minimums are, see what their dealers are like. And like I said, ended up going to Caesars and Bellagio. The Bellagio was doing $15 minimums. And so I ended up staying at the Bellagio and playing for a couple hours. And at one point, I was up about 400 bucks, And I was looking good. And, you know, the thing that melted my heart was Maddie was walking around with me and going to these different casinos. And because she wasn't playing, she had to kind of stand um, a few feet back from the table and she was literally chanting my name, standing behind me, watching me play roulette and gamble, just chanting for me, Benjamin, Benjamin. And it honestly makes me want to cry thinking about that. I get emotional thinking about that because I literally am like sitting here playing roulette and hanging out with these guys and drinking, and I have found my person. I have found the person who is willing to stand behind me no matter what I'm doing and be my cheerleader and cheer me on. And I'm just like, I was overwhelmed sitting in that moment and I wanted to just turn around and and just give her a big hug and a kiss. And um, I eventually did, but you know, listen, I was on a heater, so you never leave the table when you're on a heater, okay? And I got up like 400 bucks and I was looking good and then I started to increase my bets. I started to get a little reckless with it, and I lost a couple stacks, and then I was back down, and I was at 145 bucks. So during that session, I was up 45 bucks, but I was still down 55 overall, okay? And it wouldn't be until later in the week that I actually would end up winning more money. But I found a pretty good strategy of, you know, you can bet the sets of 12 numbers. So the first 12, the second 12, and the third 12. And the American roulette wheels go up to 36 and then have a zero and a double zero. So there's 38 potential possibilities that could come up on a roulette wheel. And you're telling me you're going to give me 24 out of 38, which computes to a value of 63%, which I definitely did not just do on my phone. But you're going to give me 63% if I take two of the things, like two sets of 12? Okay, bet. And here's the thing is like, I would bet $15 
on the first 12 and the third 12 because they were coming up hot. So 1 to 12 and uh, 36 down to whatever the number is. I can't do math, whatever. Um, I would put down $15 on each one. And if one of those hit, it tripled the money. So I would get 30 bucks back and then plus my original 15 that's still sitting there, that's 45 bucks. Okay, I just tripled what I had there. And the other stack that didn't hit, okay, they're going to take that away, but that's only 15. So I've gained 15 overall, right? And so if I continue to do that, now I'm starting to really stack this stuff up. And so I just kind of got in a groove of saying, okay, um, this is hot. I'm going to go here and I think this is going to happen. And then it's funny, you know, you'll, you'll talk yourself into a million different things that you need to do in order for the bet to hit. So if I had won like three or four in a row, I'd be like, okay, okay, when is the overcorrection going to come? When am I going to lose? Now let's, uh, let's go off of this for a second. Let me go to red or black. Let me just play it safe. This one go about, you know, your chances on red and black because of the greens are about 48%. And um, I'm like, okay, let me go with this. Okay, cool. Black just hit. Now I'm going to go back and guess here. And so I ended up getting up to like 400 bucks at one point. And um, I thought that was a pretty good strategy. I thought it was pretty smart. Just sitting there kind of intuitively like figuring that because that wasn't something that I, I read, obviously, different ways to bet. But it wasn't until I was sitting there at the table that I go, whoa, if I play two sets of 12 and one of them hits, I'm going to make back what I lost and I'm also going to keep what I had there and I'm also going to get whatever I like additionally coming in. So let's do that. And I had some success with that. But um, yeah, 145 bucks that Thursday night. And then Saturday, I had another session, and uh, you'll have to wait until I get through the Friday recap in order to see how much money I actually won. It wasn't a lot, but but I still left up, which is more than most people can say. Um, last thing on Thursday, we went to Wahlburgers. Mark Wahlberg and his brother Donnie and all their family members, they've got this Wahlburgers establishment that they have locations in different parts of the country, and um, big, big burger guy, and it was really good. I got a patty melt there, uh, smashed that thing, and uh, really, really enjoyed Wahlburgers. And like, I'm a huge Mark Wahlberg fan, so they had a bunch of his posters all up around, and I'm sure that's not unique to just that location. I'm sure a bunch of them have, but it, it was just really cool. Like, It was just like an ode to Mark Wahlberg, and I was eating a patty melt, and I was just a very, very happy boy at that moment. So that was Thursday. Friday was our pool day. Now, the way that pools worked was they opened back up on Friday. It was the very first day that pools were allowed to open in Vegas. It was Friday, March 5th, and we were there. They opened at 35% capacity, and they were not doing any general admission at all. You had to be either, um, you had to have bought bottle service and made a reservation for a daybed, a table, a cabana. The nightclubs were the same. You had to get bottle service and reserve your spot or else you couldn't come in. And they were only 35%. So this thing literally felt like our own private event. Like we had so much space around us. It was amazing. And as 
you know, look, I'm an OG when it comes to festivals and shows and concert and stuff like that. And that might sound kind of douchey, but you know what? I've been playing this game for a while and I'm pretty fucking good at it. And it just seemed so fitting that me and Maddie, who's also an OG and has actually been going to festivals longer than I have. She went to Bonnaroo before I even went to wireless. So she's like, she's triple OG. All right. And it was just fitting that we were two of the people from the all around the world that were in Vegas to officially open things back up and usher in this new post-COVID era of Vegas. Even though it's not post-COVID, we still had to wear there was like there were different uh loopholes about the masks thing, but like the fact that um this was opening back up while we were there was just a really cool thing. And who else but me and her? You know what I mean? Like, it just, it felt right. And we were like two of the very first people through the doors the very first day that they opened. Um, The mask thing, real quick while I'm here. So, if you had, basically, you could sit on the edge of the pool and put a foot in. And as long as, like, that counted as you being in the pool. So, didn't have to have a mask for that. If you were smoking or drinking, just like everywhere else in Vegas... You know, pull it down, drink, smoke, whatever, put it back up. And so there were ways kind of around that. You know, it, it wasn't too hard. Like, and again, we're outside. There's nobody even next to our daybed. And uh, it, so it's kind of dumb. You know, if I'm getting up to walk across the pool to use the restroom, like, yeah, I wore my mask. Cool. But if I'm laying on my daybed, um, you know, I, I don't know. Again, being outside, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it was one of those things where if you appeared as though you were drinking your drink, then you were good. They weren't going to say anything to you. And when they started to kind of get close and I thought they were about to say something, you know, it's as easy as just having spatial awareness and taking a sip of your drink and then they walk away and it's cool. And so we, we you know, we didn't really have to wear the masks that much while we were at the pool outside of walking around, walking in, walking out, that kind of stuff, going to the bathroom, um, the bottle service that we got, uh, we just got a, we got like three pitchers of watermelon mules, they were really good, they were really fucking good, and she got a big margarita, and we just kind of spaced them out throughout the day, I mean, we got there at, (laughs) well, first of all, we started the day with the Kygo show that was from the fucking, that the Swiss Alps, that he literally helicoptered a plane to the top of a mountain and gave a concert, which was sick. So that was our pregame from 10 to 11. And then we got an Uber, we went over to Wet Republic, and that's where we did the pool party. And it was my second time being there. And it was really cool. And we got in, we were probably in the doors by like 11.30, 11.45, two of the first people through the gates. And uh, we stayed there until about 5 p.m. and just spaced out the pitchers. Uh, we didn't get food there because we <laughs> we knew as soon as we got drunk, we were going to go to In-N-Out. And uh, that's what we did as soon as we left. But it was really cool. They didn't have a DJ, but they did have uh, music playing. There were people that were in the pool and dancing. And it was like a dance floor, like honestly, you know, it's like a dance floor underwater, plenty of space. And we just did our own thing, man. We were just kind of in our own world. And that's how it is when we spend time together, honestly. It's like, it's me and her in our own little world, playing our own little games. And it's really fun. And I hope to do it for a long, long time. Till death 
God forbid, you know, but that's my girl. That's my boo. The other thing I want to mention about the mask thing, um, I got to give credit to Vegas. I mean, it's not easy to do, but at most of the tables, they had plexiglass that separated the players between the people. Um, They were really adamant about if you were not smoking or drinking, then you had to have a mask up. Anywhere we went to, we we wore our masks. Um, Even outside at that neon museum, you know what I mean? Like I wore it and I I got pictures wearing the mask, you know? Uh, Look goofy, but it is what it is. But at the pool party, yeah, we didn't have to wear them. And then... um, I don't know. I mean, Vegas had, they, they did a really good job. I mean, they did a really good job. And if anybody wants to criticize me for going and, oh my God, you know, spare me the bullshit. Okay. Um, because we were safe, you know, and Vegas made it really easy to be safe because they had brought in hand washing stations that were set up on the, on the floor, on the casino floors. So you could go and wash your hands. They had hand sanitizer everywhere. I mean, they really did a good job of limiting, the spread of COVID, or at least making those kind of things available to people, um, and just kind of taking a common sense approach. Hey, be smart, mask up, you know. But if you're outside, that's 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 where like uh, my my one point of contention is. But um, no, it, it wasn't enough to ruin the day. We had a really great time, and we yeah we didn't even meet anybody at the pool party because. We were so spaced out from everybody else. Now, we did get in the pools and go swim, but when we swam and, like, you know, got got wet and shit, it was just us, and we were just kind of dancing, and it was just us. It was just us, and, and I and I love that. So, uh, yeah, smashed some in and out on the way back, and this is Friday, so now we, you know, I'm, I'm reaching, and we've been drinking all day long, and I, I'm like, I'm ready for a nap, so... I passed out. We passed out. We were both asleep by probably 7 p.m. And I didn't wake up until midnight. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, where did the night go? And it was honestly for the best that it, that it worked out like that. That we didn't try to make it an all-day thing. That we, we, we kind of started drinking early by 10 a.m. And then we're done by 5 p.m. And went home, got food. And just had some time to get water in us and kind of just sleep and recover from that long week and that long day because on Saturday, we were going to have to travel and get on a plane. And if we had done like a nightclub deal and been up till 2 a.m., it would have probably made for a pretty miserable travel day on Saturday. But because this all happened early enough on Friday and we were asleep by 7 p.m. on Friday night, like it, it was perfect. Like it really was perfect. So felt great waking up on Saturday morning. I got up early, like 7 a.m. Saturday morning. I went and got a coffee. And then I said, okay, Benny boy, we're going to play one final roulette session. So this is my third session that I played all week. And I said, let's try to even back out. You know, look, I, I still have this 45 bucks that I made back the other night. And I'm going to try not to play this 100 buck chip that I have and cash it in. If I need to dip into that and break it into smaller ones, fine. Okay? This was my gambling funds, 200 bucks. I'm going to try and see if I can take this 45 bucks and get back up to 200 and get out of here. Okay? Well, I started playing, started winning, lost a little bit, and I ended up having to break into that $100 chip and break that down. But I didn't have to go too low into it because I started winning, 
and I got up and I lost a little bit, but I kept getting up and I got up 80 bucks in that session. So I was at 225 total and I said, you know what? Not only did I get even, okay, I made back my money. So I'm back at 200 and I got another 25 bucks here. I think I'm going to walk away. I think I'm going to walk away. I made my money back. I even won some more and I want to walk away as a winner. You know, I could sit here and 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 maybe make a lot more money if I started to play a little bit looser. I mean, I I I I'm not going to lie. I, don't please don't think that I was sitting here gambling other than anything than a conservative and and placing minimum bets and like there were a couple times where I got a little bit uh, confident, you know, and started betting a little bit more money. But for the most part, like I was betting minimums and I was betting really strategic. And if I didn't, if I wasn't feeling it, I would literally just sit out. I would sit out around, you know, and be like, all right, you guys go fuck it. But, um, yeah, I, I got up and I made 25 bucks and I made back all the money that I lost. And I said, all right, Hey, I got what I came here for. I played some games. Now I'm out. And we went to Chick-fil-A after I left because I went down there alone and I came back like, Maddie, I have won. I return a winner. You know, just like kind of bragging because how many people actually say that they won money and bring money home? Not many, you know? So I must be doing something right. And I took that extra 25 bucks. We went to Chick-fil-A and we went ham, okay? And the check was literally $24.53. So it was, my my winnings covered breakfast, and I kid you not, it was the best Chick-fil-A that I've ever had in my life. Not only because Chick-fil-A is the shit, but also because it was off of money that I had won, and it really felt good. I mean, look, look at this, look at this. Just have this thought. They always say, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Well, in this case, it was winner, winner, chicken breakfast, and it was fire. It was really good. So we checked out of the hotel. We uh, Ubered to the airport. On the way back, it was a direct flight from Vegas to Louisville, so it wasn't full. We had the middle seats open. It made for a really, really nice trip back. Um, and, you know, I, I just <laughs> I didn't want to land. I didn't want to land. Um, the whole point of this trip was that Maddie's going to be leaving in two weeks and we really wanted to spend a certain amount of time, you know, whether it be three days, six days, two weeks, whatever. We wanted to set aside time where it was just us. We were going to unplug, we were going to be together, and we were going to really focus on our relationship and be in a good place to weather this storm. And, and not even that it's a storm, but just this season of our life, if you will, this season. Because she's going to be gone till the end of October. I'm going to be here. We're going to make it work. We're going to do long distance. It'll be cool. She'll visit. I'll visit a little bit. I got a free place to stay out there. It'll be sick. But it is going to be tough. But I know that we can make it. And I know that if we make it through this, we're going to make it through anything. And, and we've done you know, weeks apart and stuff, and I'm not worried about it. I really am not because we're in such a good place and coming from this week, coming off of this week, that was really the thing that we were both thinking about was we're ready for this. We're going to kill this. Like, we got this. And when we were coming back, I had this thought, we're in this airplane, and 
I'm looking at her and I'm just thinking, I wish this plane never had to land. I wish that we could stay suspended in this moment forever, where it could be just me and her, focusing on the love, exploring new stuff, eating great foods, drinking a little bit, dancing a little bit, kissing a little bit, but just really enjoying our time together and suspended on our own little world. I didn't want to leave the airport because to me, that's like we're moving on, we're moving forward, that's great, but we're moving on from this weekend and temporarily it means we're moving on from each other. Now we're not, but we're going to be apart and this trip was like our thing. It's like, hey, we want to spend some time together, just us, before she has to leave, so let's do it. And then we looked forward to it and we looked forward to it and then it came and then when it was time to leave and when we're on the airplane, I'm thinking, I wish this plane never had to land. I wish we could just freeze time and we could just be in this moment and we could just do this kind of shit all the time. And you know what? Eventually, like, we will have that. Um, It'll take some time and some money, you know, but we'll get there. Well, we'll get there. But it was just, it was kind of one of those bittersweet moments because as we're landing and as we're getting closer and closer, I know that like, like physically, And metaphorically, like we are getting closer to her leaving. Us coming back means we're that many days closer to her eventually leaving and going to take this job. And that's going to, it is, it's going to be tough. We got it, but it's going to be tough and emotional. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of also had like another kind of a moment like that midway through the week when we're kind of just chilling on Wednesday and it's kind of setting in that our week is almost halfway over, like it's going to hit, hum- it's it's hump day, and we're just kind of laying around, and I have a lot of time to think about it, and I, I just had one of those bittersweet moments where uh, halfway through the trip, I get hit right in my feels, because I thought, wow, this week is halfway over, and our time is slipping away, um, you know, that's kind of sad, it's like the the more days that go on is like the less days that we have with each other, it's like a countdown to to when you have to leave, but we had so many good talks throughout the week, and on our hiking trip, and we're just in, we're in a really good place, so I'm not worried about it, but it is, it is bittersweet, you know, and I'm happy for her, I love her to fucking death, but it's gonna suck not having my boo around for the next, you know, six, seven, eight months, that'll be, that'll be tough, but I'll be okay, I'll be okay, um, a couple of closing thoughts here. One, this was this was this was a totally different trip than the last time I went to Vegas. The last time I went to Vegas, I orchestrated a 12-man bachelor party and we did it all. I mean, we were at the pools every morning and we were at the nightclubs every night. Tables, bottle service, split amongst that many guys, really doable, but um I mean, we literally did something every morning and night. We went to see a show and it was just kind of a nonstop binge. This time, being with Maddie, I was just in a more tranquil state. I wasn't drinking to get fucked up. I wasn't trying to go hard. I wasn't trying to press my luck. I was just there to enjoy it. And we really did. We had an amazing week. And, you know, I've, I've talked about being a binge drinker and abusing drugs before. And I guess I don't want anybody to worry about me if I come on and I say, hey, yeah, we were drinking like, you know, pretty much all week. And even though it wasn't all week, 
We had, you know, three days where we actually drank out of six. So, okay, fine, whatever. But I just, I think that, I think for a while, um, because I, I, you know, I struggle with this. Like, I'm not an addict. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not addicted to any one thing. And I don't have cravings for alcohol or drugs if I'm not using alcohol or drugs. Like, I, you know, I've never had a problem doing something and then just stopping and, and either waiting, you know, a month, couple months, a year, whenever, or never touching it again and just being like, eh, whatever. Like, not, not really interested in it. Gambling, same thing. But the way that I binge sometimes, food, shows, music, um, alcohol, like I have really abused alcohol in my life. And I've had to learn a lot of tough lessons from the situations that my binge drinking has created for me. And I've just, I've really, really tried to focus in on why was I drinking like that? And what's causing me to drink like that? To want to get just fucking buck wild, not keep count of anything, just go, 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 go. Like, you know, maybe maybe let's uncover that kind of stuff and then we can address the drinking part of it, you know? What, what am I trying to escape from? And why am I using drugs or alcohol? That's, that's a really big part of it. It's like, what's the root cause? And for a while, it was just because I was really unhappy with myself. And I wanted to be numb. I didn't want to have to feel shit, you know, or face my realities. Whatever they were at the time, that's why I was drinking to excess was because I was just forcing stuff down and not letting it come up. And now I'm just, I've totally changed my lifestyle. I've totally changed the way that I'm living and the people that I'm around and the the things that I spend my time doing. And... I was really convinced there that, you know, I was I was in AA meetings and um, I was like, am I an addict? Like, am I an alcoholic? Like, am I, you know, if I touch alcohol again, am I destined to go on a 72-hour bender? Like, and look, the thing is, it's unpredictable, okay? It, it is like playing with fire in a sense, being a binge drinker, Um there are times where I'm going to be really on top of my shit and I've got it on lock and I'm good and I'm really responsible and I'm not drinking to get fucked up like that, you know? Or I'm drinking just to enjoy it with my girlfriend. And yeah, we get a little tipsy, we might get drunk, but like I'm not trying to rage with the boys, you know? I'm not slamming vodka and Red Bulls and like ripping a pen like let's get fucked up, you know? And so there, there is a difference for me. And I think I've found a really good spot. I, I've, I'm in a really good place with it. And so even though um, I don't drink alcohol regularly, when I do, a lot of things go into it. And sure, sometimes it is a gamble. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that. Like, yeah, it could have gone bad for me. Sure. Um, but weeks like this and the changes that I made in my life and and kind of some of the safety nets that I've created for myself... I think that's going to keep me from a lot of those old behaviors. And I just, again, like, I'm just in a much better place and um, I've just really changed the way that I'm living my life. And, and, and I celebrate that. And so to be able to go through six days of Vegas and not only leave with more money than I came, but 
have drinking responsibly and, and, and been socially responsible and not gotten too fucked up and, and not even like, here's the thing is like, I didn't even want to keep going when it was time to end the night. I was like, cool. Like I'm, I've had enough, you know, and I know my limits and I guess I've, I've always known my limits, but there was a time there for a few years where I was living in California and when I came back to Kentucky to 2018, 2019, I wasn't respecting those limits. It's one thing to 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 know something, but then to apply the knowledge is another thing, right? And I knew what my limits were. I knew when I was probably getting to that point, but I would just say, fuck it, you know? And now I got too much to lose. I got too much to lose. And I don't I don't want to end up going on some kind of a bender and a and a, and a binge that lasts, you know, more than a couple hours here and there, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't want that. That's, that's not what I'm, it's not the vibe I'm on, not the wavelength that I'm on. So I feel really good having gone to Vegas and, and, you know, drink and look, done the edibles. And like, I don't need any of that shit. That's the thing. It's like, I'm good. You know, I, I can enjoy it in moderation. And now I'm right back onto my life and I'm not skipping a beat. So if I've ever talked about and I know that I have, and I know that I've admitted I'm a binge drinker, um, and I can certainly get carried away, but like, you know, and that's, that's, I struggled with that so much, because I was so good throughout most of college, like I really was, like everybody has a crazy night or two, but like, I was always the one that was one of the most responsible of the group, and would laugh at the people that were blacked out at the bars, like what a fucking noob, you know, and I was just, I, trying to be more mature, I guess, and trying to stand out and be more professional in college. And like, I, 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 I could tell you, I probably went out and drank on a Thursday night, maybe twice. And it was my senior year at the last semester of the, of my shit. You know what I mean? But I had friends that went out every Thursday night that never missed the two keys Thursday nights. So, I mean, just different, priorities, you know, different values. And that's why I struggled so much when I was in California and it was like, why am I, why is this shit happening to me? Why am I coming home and getting blacked out? And like, what am I trying to like drown out with this alcohol? And like, why am I doing this to myself? And it took me a few years and some really hard therapy sessions and some deep reflection. But uh, I'm really in a good place with a lot of this stuff. And I've done that work, and it's something that I'm going to have to be vigilant about the rest of my life. Will I always have the possibility of going too far? Yeah, absolutely. And is that the reason that I don't decide to drink a lot? Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, it's it's a gamble. It, it really is, you know. There's going to be some nights where you're on top of your game. There's going to be other nights where you get carried away, and you're with old friends, and you're feeling really comfortable, and you've been really good, and so you think, oh, what's a couple? And then, you know, something bad happens. And, yeah, that the likelihood of that happening, it's high when you're a binge drinker. So that's why I don't I don't drink a whole lot anymore, man. Like, I, I really don't. I'm living a different lifestyle. So I say all of that to say don't worry about me and don't trip when I'm telling stories about making purple drink and edibles and I got, you know, bottle service and stuff like your boy is going to be good. All right. And I know myself, I know my body. So yeah, let me worry about me and you do you boo boo. Um, a couple more thoughts real quick on where I want to live. It, it's it got to be somewhere West coast, like Louisville, 
I enjoy you for the certain things that that you bring me. I'll always have a nostalgic feel driving down River Road when it starts to break in the spring and it's a really nice day and just driving down River Road is one of my favorite things to do in the world. Put some John Mayer on, cruise, that's a day. That's a vibe, okay? The Derby, basketball season, love it. Amazing. There's not a lot of places that are better in this world than Louisville on the Derby weekend and, and doing all the festivities that lead up to that. And like, I love that stuff, man. I really do. But I have to live somewhere West Coast. I do not want to stay here. I am grinding so I can get somewhere else. And that's not to say I'm never going to come back or anything. But like, I just, I got to be somewhere where the weather's good year round and I can go. And if I want to wake up in February and go for a hike, I can do that. And it's going to be cool weather. Like, it, it'll be good. You know what I mean? Like I can't live here where the sun doesn't come up for months at a time and there's snow and I got to deal with people's snowy shoes in the car or all the salt on the road or bad drivers, or maybe I can't even drive, you know, like I don't want to have to deal with that. And I'm really feeling like I'm getting to the point where I've, I've outgrown Louisville. And I don't mean that to sound conceited and I don't mean that to sound like I'm better than this place at all that's not what I'm saying okay what I'm saying is I feel like in order for me to keep growing it needs to be somewhere else okay I'm going to grow as much as I can here but eventually I don't want to stay here that's not my long-term plan it never was you know that's why I left in the first place to go to California it's like I want to go grow somewhere else I don't want to live in a place where the first question that people ask when they meet you is, where did you go to high school? You literally never graduate high school when you when you live here. And it's, for some people, they really love that. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to shit on Louisville at all. I'm just saying, I need something bigger. For me, I need something bigger. And I, I want to go somewhere where it's like, hey, where are you from? You know? Living in Chicago, living in the Bay Area, living in parts of Texas, Florida, that's going to be the question that you, hey, where are you from? You know, are you from here? Oh, what state are you from? Not, where'd you go to high school? And, oh, do you know blah, 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 blah. It's like, that's too small for me. That's too small for me. I need a bigger city. I need better weather. And I need people that I don't know, you know, because I, I love meeting people that I don't know. And... There are certain parts of me, you know, like one of my, you know, this is, it sucks. It sucks to have to like live with this. And it was my decision. I take full responsibility for it. But the tin roof bathroom thing, like I walk around thinking, do people that I don't know look at me and go, there's that guy, you know, the tin roof bathroom guy. I mean, some of them do. Like how many people snicker behind my back, you know, act like my friend and then are like, oh, there, there he goes, you know, like. I just, I don't know. I struggle with that, you know? Walking through the mall, like, do I know people there? Like, do they know me? What do they know about me? Like, I don't like that. I like to be kind of anonymous when I go somewhere. If I go and eat somewhere, I put my headphones in, I I set my phone up on my wallet, and I don't want to be disturbed, you know? And I don't, I don't want to see people, like, when I'm eating, you know? Don't bug me while I'm eating. And it's just like, I can't have that here. And I can't 
the weather really affects my mood. It really does. It I, like weather, cold weather, winter weather, unless I'm going to ski in it, it really bums me out. It really does. I hate it. And I just need to go somewhere where I have the sun year-round, the weather's good, and I'm meeting people from all over the world and all over the country and not just people that I've known all my life. And like, again, I'm not trying to sound like I'm better than this city. I'm better than anybody that lives in this city. I I don't think that. I promise you, I don't think that. I'm, I, I just, I feel like for me, for me personally, I need something bigger and I want to continue to grow outside of this place. And and that's like, I came back and I moved back and it wasn't the end of the world and I thought that it would be and it wasn't. And I've found happiness more here, more in these last two years that I've been here um, and really more in this last year that I've, that I've been doing what I'm doing. But like, I have found it to be more enjoyable than I thought that I would having to move back. And if you move away and you move back to your hometown, it doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't. It just means that you're coming back to what's familiar and what's comfortable. You're going to get your shit together again. And then you're going to relaunch back into the world. And that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards being ready to relaunch. And I think in two years, if it happens before that, great. But within two years, I'm trying to make moves with this show. I'm trying to get to a bigger city, a different city start traveling, um, sell it to somebody. Maybe I end up in LA for for the rest of, you know, however long the show runs. I, I don't know. But I want that. I don't want to stay here in Louisville. It's nothing against the city. It's nothing against the people. It's, it's not that I think that I'm above it. It's just I feel like I've outgrown this place and I'm starting to outgrow this place and I want to grow somewhere else because now it's it's becoming too comfortable. And... I just, I don't know, man. I've always just broken those barriers and, and wanted to, to continue to grow because growth and comfort can't coexist. That's the thing. Growth and comfort cannot coexist together. You got to be a little bit uncomfortable in order to really start to grow and expand and get better at shit. And I've got it pretty sweet here. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty good deal in life that I'm living here in Louisville. I'm very thankful for that. I'm privileged for that. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But eventually, I gotta live somewhere West Coast again, man. I, I just, I just have to. Women, weed, and weather out there. I mean, and and hey, you know what? That was baby. That was a reflex. That was a, just an instinct to say that's the three dubs that people love about California is the women, weed, and weather. I'm not looking at any other woman, baby. I swear to God. Okay, it just came out. All right, but uh, it doesn't even have to be California. I just somewhere West Coast where I can ski and hike and and be happy and get a dog and you know like that's that's what I'm trying to be on man so I gotta be west coast um and you know it's like there's some kind of a it's some kind of a a look that exists in the west coast that comes over the mountains when the sun is going down at dusk and it almost looks like space dust and it just the sunlight pierces this Dusk, dust, if you will. It's like space dust. I, I I don't know how to describe it other than that. If you've been there and you've seen it, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But it's just like, 
I don't know, man. It's a look that comes over the mountains, and when the sun is hitting it at a certain point, it just it looks so cool. And and I'm just like, this is fucking beautiful, man. I got to be out here waking up to great weather year round. That's a really big one for me. And so all of these things kind of go into that. And again, um, I guess the reason that I'm ready to move on, and the reason that I'm feeling like I've I've kind of outgrown um, this city, and I'm ready for something else is because I've outgrown a lot of the old relationships that I had at one point, and I've been at peace over the last year letting people roll out of my life, letting people walk. I said it, I, I've, I've been saying this for months and months and months and probably getting close to a year, but I'm done begging people to stay in my life, and the people that want to be here, that make an effort to be here, great. I love those people, and I reciprocate that energy and the time and the effort. But the people that don't, then I've just kind of let them go silent, and I don't hit them up anymore. And I, walking around with Maddie and going on our hike and talking about that kind of stuff, I'm really at peace with that. And my circle looks totally different than it did a year ago, but that's better. That's growth for me. My high school group, that's the thing is like, Louisville people, you know, it's, it, it is very high school-y and people will just hang out with the people that they've known all their life and like there's nothing wrong with that. My best friends, the best friends that I've, I've made, um, some of them are still my high school friends, you know, and that's cool, but I've also got a lot of best friends that I made in college and I also got some of my, my very best friends are the ones that I made it when I was living out in the Bay Area and the exciting thing is, I haven't even met some of my best friends yet. They're out there, and I don't even know them yet, but I'm going to meet them, and we're going to become really tight, and that's a really fucking cool thing. That's a beautiful thing, you know, to think like that. I haven't even met some of my best friends yet. That's that's cool, okay? Um, But everybody in Louisville thinks that they... they did it better. Their parties were better. Their high school was better. Their clique was better, you know? And I guess... I'm just, I've become a little bit detached to that, and I used to think, man, my high school group, no one could even touch us, like, we did some legendary shit, and we did, and we did, but, I mean, is that different, or any more special, or any more cooler than what some of the other legendary classes from different high schools did, or groups of friends did, while they were in Louisville doing that kind of shit? Probably not. You know, what makes, why am I so special? Like, what makes our things so great and so special? Besides me being in it, you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, but like, no, seriously, think about it. Like, who am I to think, oh, my group is way cooler than all these other groups here? Like, everybody in Louisville probably has that thought, right? So I'm like, I guess I'm realizing that I've grown out of that, thinking that my group is cooler than everybody else's and that we should be the ones that when we walk into a bar, everybody takes notice. Like I really used to think that and that was a really arrogant, conceited way of thinking. 2018, 2019, when we're going out to the, I'm going out to the bars with my boys and it's like, we're the shit and like, listen, we are, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, that's really arrogant. That's really conceited. Like what, why, our, our thing is no different than anybody else's that went hard and threw parties and, and, you know, it's like, okay, so I don't need that. I don't need to feel that. I'm, I'm, I'm at peace moving on from that. And if that means that 
I'm not seen as the cool guy, like whatever, you know, I'm going to be cool for way more reasons than being cool in high school, you know, like, so I, I've, I'm really at peace with that. And I think I'm, I'm when the time is right and when I'm ready, I'm going to be ready. That's the thing. Um, and I guess we, we, you know, we started to get into this conversation because, you know, just talking about how our lifestyles are different, me and Maddie's. And, you know, I said, look, I, I've, I think what's made it really easy for me is I don't feel the need to go out and prove that I'm cool anymore. And I feel like that's really what the bars are, you know? Think, like, I feel like people go to the bars to hang out with friends and stuff, but it's it's like peacocking, you know? It's like, I want to go and prove how cool I am. And I'm going to try to be the flyest guy there. I'm going to try to have the best dance moves, or I'm going to buy the most shots, or I'm going to be the loudest, or I'm going to get in a fight. We're all going to get in a fight, so, so. You know what I mean? Like, that is, I feel like, and not, not listen, I'm not casting judgment on everybody that goes to the bar. Like, I can definitely go to the bar and just hang out with my friends, and uh, I'm sure that you do too. But, like, a lot of times... I feel like when you go to the bars, you're a, a lot of just dudes. I'm thinking about guys, okay? So guys are trying to prove something sometimes, a lot of times. And I don't feel that I, I have this need to or desire to prove myself to anybody, you know, other than like my own merit, like what I'm doing day to day, week to week. Like, so I feel really good about that. And why would I? go out of my way to go to a bar to act like some big shot and like what am I trying to prove and to who and why does it matter you know like is it for some clout to some street rats or some bar people that like are there every night no matter what night it is I just I've moved on from that I I I guess that's what the bars is to me is is going out and flexing and looking the coolest and and I, I just I don't really need that anymore like I don't I don't I don't feel the need to go out and prove that I'm a cool guy because I am a cool guy you know I don't need to go prove that like that's how I live my life how I live my life is that's proof you know that's that's proof in itself is just the dude that I am to everybody that I meet that's pretty cool to me I don't have to go and drink 10 drinks in a night and go spend stupid money at a bar just to what look cool make friends go hit on women I found my woman man so miss me with all that bullshit um one one quick thing on uh on succumbing to vices I wrote this note down yeah I stared down the face of greed and left knowing exactly who I am and where I'm headed I didn't get too much I didn't drink too much didn't smoke too much I didn't bet too much I played it just right and I didn't press my luck and that was the biggest thing is that I didn't press my luck I knew when to stop and once upon a time, I had that. And once upon a time, I lost that, my ability to stop and turn it off. And I found that again. And that's a really beautiful thing. And I really feel like I'm, I'm really, I got the game on lock. So that's a really good feeling. Um, and yeah, you think, man, somebody that's kind of struggled with some alcohol abuse and some drug abuse and uh, going to Vegas, is that such a good idea? And like, dude, I just spent six days there and I fucking dominated it. And now I'm back. And I hopped back in the whip and got right back to my shit the next day that I got back and didn't skip a beat. And 
worked all weekend long leading up to that trip to make sure that I had my shit ready to go on Wednesday so that I could just drop it and be remote, like, I'm good. Don't worry about me. Like, I'm good. And that week was a really big testament to just the changes that I made and where I'm at. And and I I really, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And um, final thought, you know, is kind of getting back to the softer side of me. I mean, Maddie, finding somebody like Maddie is all that I've ever wanted. I've, I fantasized about it. I dreamed about it. I, I would get my hopes up every time I would get like, you know, kind of infatuated with a girl and I would flirt or I'd get a crush on them. And I, and I would think in my mind, like all the reasons that it was going to be a great thing and why it would work and why I was just such this loving guy that couldn't wait to share that with somebody and I just need to find the right girl and and I finally feel like I have found the right girl the right woman that's my woman man and she's my biggest cheerleader she's my best friend um I I was really really happy to spend all that time that we got to spend together it was quality time like you wouldn't believe and when she was standing behind me at the roulette table literally just chanting my name just because she wanted to see me do well and win and be happy, I, I was like, wow, what a fucking feeling, dude. And she probably stood there for like 20 or 30 minutes, and, and I, I just, you know, I'm just like, damn. Like, that is, that's my homie. I've literally found someone who will stand behind me or beside me and cheer me on no matter what I'm doing. That's an incredible feeling. And win or lose... That's the thing, like, I'm sitting there looking at this money, like, if I have to dip into this hundred, whatever, if I lose all 200, whatever, like, win or lose, I don't even give a fuck, because the real win is when I spin around from that table, grab her hand, and we go off and do the next thing. That's the real win. Getting to live in our own little world, that's the real win. So, we're in a really good place, I love that woman to death, and we really had an excellent Vegas vacation. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uber Stories will return next week. Uber Stories Part 20... What are we on now? Seven? Are we on Uber Stories Part 27? No, I think... Wait a second. We're on Uber Stories Part 26. That'll be out next Wednesday. Please, if you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And uh, make sure you follow along on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram... Apple Music, Spotify, at BennyTomp18. Go download the playlist. You can listen to the music that I listen to when I'm with my writers. And uh, also, we're on Facebook. The page is at RealTalkWBennyT. And right before I get out of here, listen, guys, girls, whoever you are, wherever you are, please hit me up either through DMs, or email me at bennytomp18 at gmail.com. Look, I said at bennytomp18 like it was another social media handle. But uh, bennytomp18 at gmail.com. That's my email. And uh, let's start doing life advice, man. Send me some shit. Send me your shit. Whatever you got going on. And uh, I'll help you out. I'll give you real talk just like I give to my riders when, when they say that they got some shit going on. And... Um, or it could just be encouragement, you know, just like, Hey, I got you. All right. I got you. And I really want to create that moving forward. So hit me up, send me an email. I'll keep it all anonymous. And we're just going to keep this thing rolling and growing. And eventually one day we'll get to where we're trying to go. It'll take some time, but we'll get there. And with your help as well. 
All right, my friends, that's it. I will be back next Wednesday, Uber Stories Part 26. Until then, take care. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.